Father, we thank you, King of Glory, for this privilege of coming before your holy presence once again. We are aware that across the globe there are people who would want to be in your presence this way, but they are not allowed. And so we don't want to take it for granted. Even as we have come, Lord, we submit ourselves unto you. We pray that even as we listen to you speak to us. You will minister to us individually and especially to those of us who are married and those of us who are getting ready to be married to know how seriously you take this institution that you have established. And so we bring into that serious, into our relationships, O King of Glory, that same seriousness. We submit ourselves this morning. Minister to us, O Lord. And take every glory, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are talking about the sanctity of marriage. And I want to tell you what happened to me when I received this invitation. I had a program the same period. I was supposed to speak in Agua for three days. And each of the days I was to talk for two hours. That is six hours. But I was not scared. I don't know why. I was not scared. I was ready for it. But this one scared me. So much that I spent more time thinking about the sanctity of marriage than the exposition I was to carry out at Agbo for three days. Up till last night, I was scared. In fact, this one had to wake up after three to continue praying for families in this church. Especially those of you who are having problems. Because the Lord revealed to me that there were marriages that were having problems in this church. In fact, I had to communicate that to the Ashton. I was so scared. And I believe that as we look into it, the Lord will be able to heal such relationships and bring us to a climax. In fact, the closest thing to heaven is the marriage relationship. I can tell you that authoritatively both my, by my own personal experience and from what the scripture says about the marriage institution. There are so many other things we'll be saying as we go along. But let's open to that Matthew that we read. We'll read both Matthew chapter 5 alongside Matthew chapter 19, 1 to 12. And then we'll go on from there. Because of time, we will not be reading so many of the passages. I'll just rattle along and believe that God will help you to, to follow. Matthew chapter 5, from verse 27 to 31. It has been read, but I'll read verse 31 and 32 again, and then we'll read Matthew chapter 19, 1 to 12. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, 
letting give her a certificate of divorce. But I said to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Matthew chapter 19 from verses 1 to 12. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, tested him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I said to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those for whom it has been given. For there are eudoks who were born thus from their mother's womb, and they are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and they are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Now because uh, we had a little argument in our men's fellowship, zonal fellowship, because of this issue of divorce, because we have a topic that's related to it. I would want to start by saying that if you look very closely at the discussion between Jesus Christ and the Pharisees, and of course from our text, there are some things we need to take note of. In that verse 31, it says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Some translation will say, an official letter of divorce. So that you don't think that you just write a letter and give to her and send her away. And I'm aware, you are aware that at the time that Moses was giving this injunction, there were no papers like we have today, no printing press. We had amanuenses, people who were officially mandated and allowed to write letters. And so you, for you to divorce your wife, you needed to go to them. And you needed to be officially certified by the priest that it has been accepted before you can send her away. It was not a private affair. So it's good to take note of that point so that you don't think it was just that easy even in the time of Moses. Another thing that I, I need for you to take note before we go on is so that whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, we'll talk about her, causes her to commit adultery. So what it means is that when you divorce your wife, you're vicariously liable. You're also an adulterer. Are you getting that point? Because you are the one that caused her to commit adultery. So you are vicariously liable in that act. 
And so wherever she's going, if she's going to spend eternity in hell, you too, you are going to spend eternity in hell. So don't think that you can divorce her and be a free man. That's what's the point that is being made there. And then the issue of exception, except by sexual immorality. We know that there is a higher law than that. If you go to Matthew chapter 18, from verse 17 of it, verse 16, verse 17, tells you that when a brother offends you, you should go to that brother, and if you sort out the issue between the two of you, fine. But if you are unable to set it out, you do what? You report him or her to the church. It's after the church has tried, and that settlement could not go through, that you are now set free to even begin to take any other action. We had, I handled a case like that yesterday, that has to do with this issue of divorce, and I had to tell the brother, you have not exhausted all the processes you need to go through. In fact, by the time he was leaving my house, he was very gloomy, but I didn't mind it. It is for him to know that divorce is not an easy process. Yes, the reason he's preferring is quite painful, and it looks very, very genuine. But as far as the scripture is concerned, what God has joined together, let no man do what? Put asunder. Even the argument of Moses. Jesus Christ said that from the beginning it was not what? It was not so. Any other exception is man-made exception. But the creator of marriage and the man who made you and brought you into being, that joined you with your wife, from the beginning there was no reason that he gave that should separate two of you. And that's why the disciples, because they understood what Jesus was saying, they said, if that is the case, it's not good for a man to marry you. Better I stay alone. So they said, need that we know it. So that at the end of the day, we'll be able to help ourselves. And it's good we go to definition of terms and the rest. But I said here, the first thing that I would like us to do today is to drop all we have known about marriage and just be open to the Lord, including myself. The second thing is that there is nothing new you are going to hear. Actually, when a person is preaching, I say, this I'm telling you, you have not had it before. <laughs> I sit up in my chair because 99% of the cases is going to say something that is an error. Or else it's going to say a new thing you have not had before. Because nothing is new under the sun. We are only reminding ourselves of the things we already know. Finally, every marriage, including mine and yours, has room for improvement, recovery. If your own is doing fine, you have room for improvement. And it's good you pay attention because you can learn some things that can help you to improve your relationship with your wife. And if you're one of those that are having problems, we'll be here to help you. The educator is here, the, the priest. And you know, in this church, there are a lot of pastors. All these people that man the pulpit, they have the capability of counseling you. It must soon be that you must go to the uh, priests. There are people here that are quite qualified to help you. Don't just be dying in silence. Praise the Lord. Definition of terms. What is marriage? The definition of marriage varies according to different cultures, but is viewed principally as an institution in which interpersonal relationships, usually intimate and sexual, are acknowledged. You know that every other sexual intercourse outside the marriage setting is considered illicit sex and unacceptable in Christian circles. So there's that intimate relationship that is usually sexual and is permitted by the church. It's a social union or legal contract between a man and a woman called spouses that establish rights and obligations between the spouses. We specifically say man and woman, so that you know that man and man, or woman and woman, is unacceptable. It's not God's own um, arrangement. Between the spouses and their children, and between the spouses and their lawyers, it calls spouses and establishes rights and obligations between the spouses 
between the spouses and their children, and between the spouses and their in-laws. Marriage is a very complex relationship. That's one of the things I was telling the brother yesterday. Because he was saying that because of his past mistake, this current one, he wants to go it solo. I say it's not possible. Because in the first place, somebody is going to wed you. There is no way you are going, even if you are a priest, you cannot bring a woman and then wed her yourself. Is it possible? Somebody must be involved, a priest, representing the church. And of course, the family of the girl has to be represented, well, even if it's only the mother and the father, and then your own family. So marriage is a very complex relationship. It's not something that children should enter into. You need to be matured to venture into it. I love the word given by Dennis Rennie. He said that marriage is a sacred covenant between one man and one woman and their God. Between one man and one woman and who? And their God. And I want you to take note of that definition because that's what is going to bring us into sanctity. For a lifetime, between one man and one woman and their and for can we say it together? Marriage is a sacred relationship between one man, one woman, and their God. And for a lifetime. Take note of those four points. It's for a lifetime. And it's between the man and the woman and their God. If it is just between the man and the woman, it will be a social relationship. And it will not be Christian marriage. It's a public vow of how you will relate to your spouse as you form a new family unit. Marriage is not a destination. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And it is work in progress. None of us here have arrived, including myself that is speaking to you. We are all still learning and improving on a daily basis. Then what is sanctity? Sanctity is taken from the Greek word hegiazo. And it's used of the gold adorning the altar or the temple and the gifts that is laid on the altar, Matthew chapter 24 23, Matthew chapter 23 verse 17 and 19. Like I told you, we'll be reading those passages because of time. The setting apart of the believer for God, that's the second definition of sanctity. Setting apart of the believer for God, Acts chapter 20 verse 32, among others. It therefore means that sanctity means to set apart it means to separate. It means something that is holy or something that is sacred. And so marriage is sacred. It's not just a relationship between you and your husband. And I said here, why is marriage considered sacred and holy? Marriage is considered holy mainly because God himself established it in the Garden of Eden, giving it a gift as a gift unto the first human pair. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2.24 Then, as well as now, the word of God joins the couple. You see the pronouncement that is made by the priests, and at the end of the day, the two persons are, not, are joined, and they become one. How that happens, I don't know. Further, Jesus confirmed it in the New Testament with the following words, Wherefore, they are no more twin, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Like I said, if Jesus himself would say that the two of them shall become one, I do not know how it happens. 
But if you look back at your married life, some of you, you discover there are two persons that are married. The other one is light-skinned. The other one is dark. After some time, I don't know whether you've observed it, they begin to have the same look. Prof, uh, Bishop, if you're together, you begin to see them look alike. I don't know whether you've observed it. I see the voice begin to sound alike. Like Barrister Jinta, you see that the wife talks a lot more of law now than even himself. So the person's life begins to rub off on the other person. And the time comes when, when two, two persons are coming towards your house, or three persons, you can take note of the footsteps of your husband. Because you become one, and your voice almost begins to sound alike. I don't know how it happens, but it's a reality. Praise the Lord. And you should walk towards it. And what it means is that there is no other relationship on earth, including that of your father, your mother, your brothers and your sisters. Last week we had a family meeting at Oka. One of the ladies, a brother, a sister anyway, he said, blood is thicker than... In other words, we that is the siblings of the dead man are feeling the pains more than the wife, which we know is not right. Is it not true? We meet these things on a daily basis. And some of us that will say such things are even here sitting before me. You intervene, you intrude into the relationship between your brother and the wife. The day you people collected the diary and ate it and swallowed it, you see, you have sold out your rights and attachment to your brother to the wife. So for you to have entrance into that home, you have to go through both of them. Like my house, if you are coming to my house, you have to operate through my wife. If you don't want to operate under her, then you don't have, whether you're my mother or my father, my brothers, my senior brother, every one of them, they know if you're coming to my house, she's the one that will give you food. So if you don't maltreat her, you will suffer. Stay one week. But if you treat her well, she will even give you better meat than the one she gives me. It is in your own interest that you treat her well. Because she's the queen of the house. Praise the Lord. Only one person that broke that law. Unfortunately, it was not my own person. It was her own junior sister. And I had to ban her from coming to her house. She was not ready to submit to her sister. So, you need to take note of that. No other relationship that can be compared to the relationship between you and your wife. The two of you are one. There's no way you're going to look at it. No other way. The two of you are one. And I'm not the one that said it. It's your creator. Let's go on. The holiness of marriage is independent of the couple and officials. And I want to take particular note of this. The holiness of marriage is independent of the archbishop or the bishop that wedded you. It is holy solely because God has established it with his word. After all, officiants were just introduced in the Anglican Communion by Lord Hardwick's Acts of 1753. And Catholic earlier, you know, 1567 by the Council of Trent in the Roman Catholic Church. Maybe I'm saying something that is mysterious and technical for some people, but that is the truth. It's not the officiating that makes marriage holy. It is the fact that God is involved. And that is why, especially for those of you who are single, you need to understand this point. It is not the day of marriage that this covenant started. That is why you should be very careful in going to tell somebody, I want to marry you. Especially if you are a child of God, you must hear from your father before you go to tell his sister, I want to marry you. It's, it's a serious matter. 
It's a covenant relationship you are entering into and it's not the day of joining you that it takes place. So you have to be very, very careful. Before you go to a sister to go and say, I want to marry, be sure you have heard from God and you are so sure. And all this issue of breaking the engagement and breaking the heart of people will reduce in our, in our midst when you know the seriousness of it. A sister, maybe she sings very well. You go and tell her, I want to marry you. Like a cousin of mine finished singing in scripture in a national conference. One brother, English maybe he didn't really know the English. He just told her that I wish I can be living every day with you. I have a brother who a sister that I am not married to. And maybe tomorrow he can go and say, I want to marry because she sings very well. We should not take it with levity. It's not the officiating that makes marriage holy. It is the fact that God is involved. And if you are a child of God, you pray, and if God leads you, he will guide you even if they are going to talk to that other person. And then at the end of the day, the church now consummates it through the joining. If you look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, you will understand the seriousness of what I'm trying to say. It's the fact that marriage is a covenant. You entered into between you and your wife in God's presence. Remember the definition we're looking into between a man and a woman and their God or for a lifetime. It says, you, yes, you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet, she is your companion and your wife. By what? Malachi chapter 2 verse 14. Let's look at it together. You say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by what? By what? You know what covenant is. So it's not just you said I will marry you. There are people like that anyway. So I will marry you. And it's on churches. They just wed. Like that one I handled yesterday. They just found the word. But a priest that is what the honest will take you through time of counseling. And make you see the seriousness of what you are entering into. Before you wed. I was in the church and my senior pastor was going to wed a lady that was pregnant and I called his attention to it. You know what he told me? He said, let the blood be upon his head. I told him, well, you are the one I'm pitying. That Saturday you will not see me. And of course, I didn't attend. Some of them, they are just there to collect the money from the person and the wed. And at the end of the day, when the trouble ensues, it's not there. It's the responsibility of the priest to take the people that are wedding through this, the seriousness of the covenant they are entering into, that God is involved before they are wedded. It is not like every other social relationship. It is sacred. Marriage is sacred. It is to be held in honor and awe. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4, which says that marriage is honorable in all, and the bed must be left undefiled. Husband, for this purpose, you must handle your wife with fear, with trembling, and tenderness. First Peter chapter 3, verse 17. I always like that word, understanding. It says you should handle them with what? Understanding. And look at what I said here. I said you handle them with what? Fear. Fear of who? Trembling. You don't talk to your wife anyhow you like because you're not that free. Yes, you pay the diary. But you don't have the final say. There is somebody that made you the head of that family. Is it not true? Just like the managing director of a company. As far as 
policies of administration are concerned, he is the Oga board. There is a board that appointed him, isn't it? And any day he disobeys that board, they will do away with him. And like the hymn we sang, that after all these things, you know, all our aspirations at the end of the day, we appear before God and be before His kingdom. And what a sweet thing that between you and your husband, you appear before God. And the two of you are received into glory. So in the treatment of your wife, you do not have the final say. And I want you to take particular note of that point. Especially as Africans. You don't have the final say. You have somebody above you. And that's why you should handle her with fear and trembling. Because you're answerable to a higher authority. And then I talked about tenderness. He said you should handle them with love and care and tenderness as unto what? Weaker vessels. God has made them to be tender. I don't know whether you have watched them when they are walking. Just as if there is no bone in their their, and their hand will be swinging like this. But when a man is walking, the hand stands erect, isn't it? Because the bone is tough. But a woman is going... If a man that slapped women, not just your wife, men that beat women are mad. Because you see somebody who don't have bone, you go and carry your own bone and be hitting the person. You're foolish. On Thursday, I was traveling to the last street to join my colleague to Allah. And then we got to this IMT bus stop. And then this conductor just came down, pushed one girl. The way he pushed her, in fact, the lady I was sitting beside, beside her, both men and women were against him. I told them, I told our driver, please go on. This is student bus stop. He don't know what he's doing. And before you know it, three boys office. And they were ready to beat him up. But I think he says advice him to slow down. But if I touched that girl again, he would have been on the floor. I'm not talking about your wife this time around. Any man that beats a lady is foolish. Have you observed the white men, even in films, that women slap and they don't slap back? Have you observed it? And they open doors for women. Uh-huh. But here, if you enter bus, you see a man will be sitting, or even a boy, a lady will come in, you allow her to hang her. In those days, we were using Molu in Lagos. It shows you are not polished. They are meant to be taken care of. They are given to you to care and to huddle with tenderness. Amen. He is your. Then the second one is to women. Say, wives, you must see your husband as Lord. I was. Arguing with that, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's there, is it not? First Peter chapter 3. You read from verse 5 to 6. It said that Sarah was so submissive to Abraham to the extent of calling him what? So I'm not the one that said it. Your husband is your Lord. It's your Lord. If you call him Lord, you are not wrong. You are imitating Sarah. And not only that you use mouth to say it, it should be practicalized. He's your protector and he's your provider. You must hold him in highest honor and respect because he's your prince. I didn't want to emphasize it because Sister Auntie Ruby really tells you the sisters during the modern Sunday and I was very happy. Even I started ripping the fruit immediately I got home. Uh, so I should be talking to my fellow men because Sister Ruby has addressed them. Amen. Your husband is your prince. Go and look at those outlines that we were given during the modern Sunday. Practicalize them and wash out and see what will happen in your family. Because we are not talking about marriage in an entity. We are just talking about the sanctity of marriage. So I'm restricted to that area. But go and look at those points that our sister gave to us during the modern Sunday. For those of us who take notes, 
That's why I like putting my this day right so you can have it and look at it for those of us who want to be serious. Another aspect of sanctity is separation and service. By nature, that which is holy is dedicated to the service of God. In this, all these things, you know these things, you can as well use them. Even these plastic chairs, you can use them in a disco hall. Is it not true? But what makes the things here holy is because they have been dedicated unto the Lord Almighty. Everything, including this fan. They are not the same thing with the fans you meet in your ballroom or in other places. These things have been dedicated for God's use. They are holy. Amen. And it's the same thing. We are talking about your marriage. Remember, we are not talking about furniture and all these things. But those are the things that were used to illustrate this issue of sanctity. So anything that has been dedicated to the Lord is for his service. And herein lies great wisdom and solid foundation for married life. God has intended that marriage would serve him. So you and your wife, you are supposed to form the first outreach committee. You are supposed to form the first outreach committee. And if you are not winning souls as husband and wife, you have failed in the purpose of which God brought you together. When you are talking about procreation, it's not all about biological children only. You have your neighbors. When we go for witness, we say we should pair together. You don't need any other person. You already have a pair. Go to your neighbors, talk to them. The, the house have that come to your house are people who visit you. They should be discipled for Christ. God has intended that marriage would serve him when understood correctly, both husband and wife, labor to keep it holy by living in it according to his word. There is no ready-made marriage. I know marriage is made in heaven and thrown down. It is two of you that will work at making your marriage the way you want it to be. And it is when you are working in holiness, you are living in principles according to God's words and the demands on you and your wife or your husband that you will be able to be of service to him. All other aspects of married life will fall into place when marriage is dedicated unto the service of the Lord and to help fulfill his will. When that's your relationship, that your marriage is dedicated to the Lord, every other thing will fall in line. Hallelujah. Your home as a sanctuary is another point I want to take note very seriously. Your home is the holy of holies. It's the holy of holies. I want you to pay attention to this revelation. God dwells in the holy of holies. But in Acts chapter 17, verse 24 to 26, and then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15, he's no longer interested in that man-made sanctuary. But the human heart. I hope you are aware of that. God said he's no longer dwelling in man-made sanctuary. But in where? In our hearts. And you know, when we come to fellowship, we are different persons who come to fellowship. It's a different thing from the relationship between the husband and wife. That are living in accordance to the word of God. While our gathering, the Lord says that wherever two or three are gathered together, Matthew chapter 18, from 18 to 20, he's there in their midst. That is not even so much as close as that of the husband and the wife. He's no longer interested in that man-made sanctuary, but the human heart. When two holy hearts, husband and wife, are joined together, they form the holy of holies, God's dwelling place. You can imagine what your home will be like. Let me tell you. When you and your husband relate the way you should, forget about food. 
Forget about other life needs. The Lord will naturally provide them. Because as you are joined together and you are serving Him together as a couple, every other thing you need in that home will be provided. You can quote me. You can come to me and I will prove it to you. You will be living above the economy of the country or the nation or the town you are operating from. I'm almost tempted to say that when you're living peacefully and rightly with your wife, when you go for an interview, you can never fail. I'm almost tempted to say that. Because as you're there, your wife is firing prayer. And there is no force on it that will be above that because the two, remember the relationship between the two of you is the Holy of Holies. It's where God is dwelling. And which other prayer will you utter from the Holy of Holies that will not be answered? You know, we don't have the time to go and illustrate what this Holy of Holies stands where the priests were not even qualified to enter. It was only the high priest. And that high priest would go there only once in a year. And when he's going, he has to what? Wear bell on his waist. Why is he wearing bell? Because if he does anything in, in, that is not in accordance with the principles of the Holy of Holies, roots and order, he will die. And nobody can go there to go and carry him. It is through the rope they tied on his waist that he's staying outside, with which they will drag him. Because any other person that goes in to carry him will also die. That will show you the extent it is serious. Your marriage is comparable to it. And as you run it and live in accordance to his word, I am assuring you, he will take care of your needs. And there is no prayer you utter under that arrangement that cannot come to pass. Amen. He expects, take note of that, he expects holy seed from this union. The secret of the growth of the church is embedded in these two that have become one. And remember, the first institution that God formed after creation is what? The first human institution. It's marriage. After Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 2, he said it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a a helper fit for him. And then the woman was made and brought. And the marriage institution was established. And the reason for bringing the two of you together, I said he expects holy seed from this union. And I said they are both biological, that's soul winning, and your biological children. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. He said, one of these purpose, one of these purpose to seek godly seed, note, the continuation of the nation of Israel was embedded in this principle. That is, their indestructibility and their invincibility was embedded in this issue of the seeking of the holy seed. And so long as they did not break it, they were invincible and indestructible. And that's why they are still existing today. And that's why Satan was seeking at all costs to destroy Jesus when he was born. And to cut off this holy lineage. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and Matthew chapter 2 verse 16. Finally, our text. Matthew chapter 5 verse 31 to 32. As you compare it to Matthew 19, 3 to 12. It's all about divorce. And we have handled it from the beginning. But I still want to say it. That I know you can handle it now. By all that we have discussed about the sanctity of marriage. I know you can. You have already noted what divorce is all about. It's not possible. There is no swear in it. You should remove it from your dictionary. If you have been thinking, I have a book. I, I know I can't buy such a book. When I was in Onisha, two of us were running our church together. Myself and him. If I call him, most of you here should know him because we're having radio ministry and he's a very big man. Even Ojuku, Justice Araka, they used to go to his clinic. But somewhere along the line had problem with the wife, which we have been handling for so many years now. And uh, they are not divorced anyway. 
My wife used the word yesterday, separation. <laughs> I borrowed it from her. Maybe you say they are separate. Because they are not divorced. The wife lives in Abukuta, he lives in Abuja. And I talked to both of them. So he, I, I saw this book in his, in his uh, clinic. The medical doctor, the wife is also a medical doctor. Can I divorce and remarry? Immediately I saw the book, I seized it. It's with me in Enugu. I didn't take permission. I said, you cannot read this type of book. Because you are not permitted. You are just looking at me. I took the book. It's in my house. So it's not possible. You can't divorce and remarry. And I said, see also, um, Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. It's absolute. God does what? God hates divorce. God Almighty said he hates divorce. And he hates your dealing treacherously with your wife. I'm expected that our main uh, fellowship president should be able to arrange for us to have a discussion uh, more practically in this area. And we'll be able to talk to ourselves as men. God hates divorce. No matter the problem you have with your wife, it can be sorted out. It can be sorted out. And that's why God gave you this wonderful men here. The injunction is absolute. And hence, not meant for everybody. Therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And it's final. We can't debate it. We can have that debate in our men's fellowship and we can talk more. But I just want to summarize by looking at how to make marriage work and then I will pray. A sister called me on Tuesday, on Tuesday morning and one of the things she said was he has started again. And I was telling some other things that he said. And then, and I said, yeah, you know, our ministry is very dangerous. We handle women whose emotions have been battered and they want to lean on your shoulders. Another sister told me some three or two or three weeks ago, I know you hate me. You was talking to me. You love my husband. And I replied, because I tell you the truth. Do you know what I tell your husband? And I thank God I met a husband in Oweri. And after talking with him, he was able to accept that this problem is coming from his end and there was some spiritual attack. And we talked. At the end of the day, I didn't know he went home and he told the wife about it. The wife had to call me. I now say the husband said so many good things. But she did not apologize for the false accusation. <laughs> so, families are in turmoil. People are hurting in the same place where they are supposed to receive succor. The greatest, the most loveliest place that you're supposed to come and be at peace is your family. I had a prayer partner. And we used to go to Dr. Hilko's house to pray. But what made me to cut off is when we finish praying, on our way back, when we get to a junction, we'll just be talking. Me, I want to go and meet my wife. I'm in a hurry to go home. But he will not be in a hurry. So at a stage, I had to cut off that relationship. Because I, I felt we were not compatible. I'm in a hurry because we have spent about two hours praying and my wife has been alone in the house. And this one is not in a hurry to go home. No, no, no. no. I have to stop that relationship. So there is a need that you make your family a place where you should be in a hurry to come home. The place that when you are battered outside, you come there and you are helped out. And not the other way around. Some people is the secretary in the office that's Console them after the wife has battered him at home. And you can see such, what such a man's life is going to be. It's not supposed to be. If yours is battered, I said, yeah, all hope is not lost. It can still be remedied. 
All marriages can be helped if the two are ready to work at it. So the first thing I said here is that you must be born again to enjoy your marriage. Marriage was created by God, and for you to enjoy it, you must run your home according to the principles he has laid down in his manual. That's the Bible. Any marriage without Christ is dead on arrival. I hold this principle, and I hold it very absolutely, that marriage is not meant for unbelievers. If you want marriage to work, you must be a child of God. And of course, you must relate. Man by nature is selfish. That's why I'm not surprised that husbands are killing their wives. The other day in Abuja, a man used kilo to press on the wife and press until she died. But after she has died, he said it was the devil. The devil will take blame for everything. Because man by nature is selfish. You want only for yourself. But marriage relationship is a relationship of giving. So there's a need that you take note of it. Marriage without Christ is dead on arrival. Man by nature is selfish. You lack the capacity to care for the welfare of another. Being born again gives you that capacity to care for others. Number two, recognize the sanctity of marriage, which is the heart of our discussion this Sunday. Recognize the sanctity of marriage. It's not all about you and that woman or sister. Remember the God factor in your marriage and always try to take your case back to him. Remember the account of Moses in Exodus chapter 5. Moses went to Pharaoh and it was God that sent him to Pharaoh. I said, go and tell him, let my children go. And when Moses went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, I do not recognize that your God. Go and tell him that I do not know him. As if that was not enough. As he was coming out from the presence of God, the elders of Israel, the people who came to deliver, confronted him and said, you are the wicked man. Since the day you came to speak on our behalf to Pharaoh, Pharaoh has started punishing us. And even the straw he used to take, give us, he has removed it and given us more bricks to make. You are a wicked man. You have put knife in the hand of Pharaoh to kill all of us. Can see the situation. He was alone. And what did the Bible say? And Moses did what? He returned back to God. When you have crisis of misunderstanding, return back to Him because He's the one that brought two of you together. Don't ever lose sight of the God factor in your marriage. In John chapter 2, verse 2, where Jesus Christ turned water into wine, you can see another first. We say that marriage was the first institution created. Here again, you see that marriage. Well, uh, the first miracle of Jesus Christ was done in the marriage setting. And I said here that if you give him his rightful place, your wine will continue to be fresh. Amen. Your wine will continue to be fresh. And when you look at a woman that married a wife that is godly, you see you continue to be young. But when you see a man that is married a woman that is always nagging him at home and giving him trouble, he will age faster. And of course, it's most likely to die early. Number three. I drew a diagram here. If you look, I, that is from what a trubbish, a triangle like that. At the top of the triangle is God. And then at the foot, you have the man and the woman. Now, as the woman relates closer to God, and the man relates closer to God, what do you think will be happening? The gap between two of them will be doing what? Will be reducing. And when they come to the point of God, they become what? One. There will be no difference again. And that's why we said marriage is in a journey. And you should have learned to attend. The more you spend time in the presence of God, the more two of you will remain one and walk in unity. Number three, provide loving, caring leadership. I'm rushing because of time. My time is almost up. Walter Trubbish said, love is a feeling to be learned. But my mentor, Jay Adam, said, love is not a feeling to be learned. It's not a feeling and desire. It is not something over which one has no control. 
It is something that we do for another. I agree with both of them anyway. Because there's some elements of sentiment and emotion in love. You know, I naturally omitted talking about sex because of the congregation, but I think that's an assignment for a men's fellowship president and the Ochiara to bring about discussion of that. Or we have a couple's weekend and we can talk more about sex because it's very central in what we are talking about, but I decided to just leave it off. But suffice to say that there's emotions and sentiment attached to it. When people come to me for counseling before marriage, I always tell them, if you are not sexually attracted to one another, you are not emotionally attached to one another, you only have abstract arrangements and reasons, then the two of you are not going to go far. So, but let's leave that for now. So, it is something you give. Here, he went for that to say, it's something that you do for another. He said, love is giving. Giving of yourself to another. He said, love is giving. Giving of ourselves to another. He said, in John chapter 3, verse 16, we are told that God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only begotten son. Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. And he loved you and he gave his life for you. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Husband, how do you measure in this? In this issue of providing loving and caring relationship, are you a tender, caring husband to your wife? It is a personal question you should answer. How do you care for your wife? Do you handle her with tenderness? Do you provide a leadership that is worth emulating? What type of leadership are you providing at home? Do your wife and children cringe? When they hear the sound of your car. Or are you missed greatly because of your, because your presence lightens the home. So when you have sense, everybody is craving to have daddy back. Your wife is anxious to have you back. Or she prays for you to stay longer where you went. So they can have peace at home. I said something very dangerous here. And I mean it. Because I've seen it. I have seen widows. Who are better off when the man of the home is gone. I am into counseling and I can tell you. It's a name in this time, if I call it, majority of you here should even know the person. Because I went to confront him. I think I confronted him not too long he died. I went to discuss something that concerns the wife with him. And I can't tell you what he said, because if I say it, it can be a clue for you to begin to guess the person. And at the end of the day, not too long the wife died. One of those days we were talking, I said, if not that you need a man over your head, you are better off in his absence. And of course she did not disagree. I know of one of us, if you go to their house, very untidy, very untidy, the parlor will just be scattered. But I'm surprised. I, I began to wonder whether it was my brother who was keeping the house untidy because now he's gone. The very decent accommodation the wife is living everywhere needs. I'll be wondering whether it was the man that was making the house to be dead. So don't let your absence be celebrated, your death be celebrated by your family. That would be very unfair. And you can change that now that you are alive. Number four, my sister. You have been demanded or commanded to submit to your husband. There is no room for competition. He's your head. Man was created before woman. That's one of the arguments of Peter in First Peter chapter 3. She was made to be a helpmeet for him, suitable for him, and fitted. You were made to be fitted into your husband. And that's why I say helpmeet for him. I know that our sister, Mrs. Akane, will always say that your ministry has to be subdued, uh, subsumed under your husband's ministry. Because you may be charismatic and he is not. 
and you have to operate under his authority. There is, you have a calling from God that your husband has not sanctioned. You have to give it up. Doesn't make any sense. Of course, unless you want to be operating for Satan. But if you want to operate for God, then you have to subdue under your husband's ministry. The truly liberated woman is the woman that has a manly authority she submits to. The truly liberated woman is the woman that has a manly authority that she submits to. Your peace and fulfillment is embedded in your submission. Without him, you can never be fulfilled. See the truly liberated, vicious woman in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10 to 31. Strength and honor are her clothing and her husband is respected at the gates. She has helped him to a position of authority. Five, raise a strong family altar. Pray with your wife. Pray with your family. Exodus chapter 20, 20 to 24 and Judges 6, 24 to 27. Allow the Shekinah glory to spread its wings over your family through glowing altar of intercession. Have night vigils and times of fasting together. Once in a while, fast and pray together. Number six, play together. Take vacations. Do small things together. Remember, it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. And it's little acts and touchings and laughters that spice marriage. Observe personal and family anniversaries like birthdays, wedding anniversaries and the next. The family that plays together, stay happily together. Finally, have joint accounts. Some people are laughing. <laughs> have joint accounts. I don't have time. I know that this brother that, uh, the M- is it uh, one of the area, regional manager of one, one of these banks. He has dealt with that one time here in this church. It's a pathetic thing that a brother is going to be buried. And we have to go and take loan to bury him. Whereas in the account we have millions of naira. That if the wife was a co-signatory to the account, it would be used in running. One of the things that people have raised when we have seminars on marriage is the issue of business. If you are doing business, your wife can be a signatory. It's not compulsory she must go and withdraw money if she's a signatory to your business account. Because that makes it whole lot easy. So that it's not when you die. Then we have to, to apply to the probate registry. And government to take a percentage, I think it's 10% of your income, go to the government. And then, it's not just that the lawyers will take their own, and then the, the probate registry and those people who are responsible for all those processes will take their own. At the end of the day, your wife will be taking half. And they're very unfortunate. It's because of time I would have shared personal life experiences with you that have to do with it. Run, run joint accounts. The Bible says that the two were naked and were not ashamed. If your wife is struggling and you are wasteful, why don't you give her upper hand in the management of your resources? If you are still locked up in that archaic idea of controlling your wife through management of family finances, you are getting it wrong. Discuss your family finances, draw family budgets, and be disciplined and follow you through. Manage your accounts together. If your wife is very careless, it is your responsibility as a priest over her to train her the management of finances. Or it's your husband, two of you can jointly rub off on one another. Finally, communication through family cohesion. Learn to communicate positively. Each other. Have formal and informal family meetings. Create time to hear your wife out. Tell her how you love her, her cooking, her hairdo. Tell him how you love him. 
He's stressing his masculinity. If you've been to our house, probably you must have seen a little right up at the door as you're walking out. Be liberal with praise and stingy with criticism. I wrote it actually for myself. It is meant to remind me to criticize my wife less and praise her more. God is helping me and I've not yet arrived and I think he will also help you. Remember the three word sentence. I am uh, we call it the three word sentences, three words, three sentences of positive communication. I am wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. In conclusion, the list is not conclusive. Remember I told you I omitted one, that is sex, because in all the um, researches carried out, you have three things that are always at the base of marriage problems. The other one is communication, finance, and sex. But we find out that sex is the most outstanding among all of them. But I omitted it because of the constitution of this congregation. But like I said, our men's fellowship can decide and raise something. We need to discuss about sex. Especially for those of us who are aging. How we can still enjoy sex and our families will be healthy. The list is not conclusive. Just recognize the sanctity of marriage and learn to stay close to God. Give him the freedom to guide you and he's always there to help you. Let us pray. I don't know your situation. But if it's for your sake that this topic has been raised, and you people are already at the verge of divorce, or you're contemplating it at all, please talk to the Lord. Ask Him to help you. Because there is no room for divorce. The Lord that made marriage made it that the people that He has joined together, let no man, let no institution, not even the church, put asunder. So talk to Him. Ask Him to help you. To seek help. From the ministers that God has given to you here. We are ready to give you time. Come to the church here. Come to your home. Come to our own houses. And we will talk it over. Every marriage can be helped. And remember for those of us who are in marriage. But you know you are not a Christian. There is no way you enjoy that hope. It's good you give your life to Christ. And those of you who are still single. Make God your father. So he will be your father-in-law when you get married. And then you seek to marry. Under God. Can you speak to God to help you? For this is the will of God concerning you. Whether you are single, or you are married, or you are widowed, or widowed. First Thessalonians 4, 3, 4. This is the will of God concerning you. Even your sanctification. That you abstain from fornication. That every one of you should learn to possess your vessel in holiness, in sanctification, and in honor. Can you present yourself before God? Marriage is honorable in all things, and the marriage bed on the fire. But fornicators and warmongers, God himself will destroy. The Lord does not mean any one of us for destruction, but for blessing. Speak to him and say, Father, Lord, I present myself before you. I present myself before you as a husband, as a wife, that I will carry myself in honor, in holiness, and my relationship under you. As a young person who is searching for a marriage partner, Lord, I present myself in honor, 
in holiness, that I will not defile myself and puncture your work in my life, but now and in the time to come. Are you with it? Father, that I present myself in honor, in holiness before you. And your will for me is that I remain in sanctification, honoring you and honoring your name in my life. Please pray this prayer. And if there be any way in which your mind, your thoughts, your association, and even your relationship with one another is already beginning to be tainted, if there's any way in which you feel already abandoned, perhaps even in a relationship where you are, and you find that as an excuse to go beyond the boundaries, you're playing with fire, and the grace of God does not cover you. Being a widow, being single is not an excuse to also go beyond the boundary of God's protective covenant over you. Tell him, Father, this is me. Help me to live for you and to preserve this covenant I have entered into. Lord, by being your child and also in this relationship of marriage. And the Lord will help you. And the Lord will help us. And the Lord will cause that the areas of self and the areas of sin and the areas of compromise and the areas of being in a relationship and yet we are full of worldly loss and thoughts. He will also help us. Father, this morning, help our marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help our marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in areas where we have assumed our position outside of you and run our homes outside of your will and run our own families outside of your provision, Lord, this morning, return us back even to that which you have ordained concerning us, that we may in a marriage relationship enjoy your guidance, your leadership, Lord, even in holiness and within the boundaries of our marriage covenant in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, are there burdens on our way, challenges in our families on account of being married? Every single one of them is possible before you. As we meet two to be one, so also do you agree that when two are joined together, even when one chases a thousand, the two can chase ten thousand. The two with you will be unbroken no matter the situation. May we find your joy, your help, your grace again in our marriages and homes in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father Lord, single as young men and young women, Lord widowed or widowed, without husband anymore or wife, Father, help us to present ourselves before you, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you. And as we seek your will, direct us aright without trading our body, without trading our dignity, without trading our consciences. Lord, in defiance of your will, may we see your help and your favor, no matter our situation, and enjoy your providence and presence in the name of Jesus Christ. Forgive our indiscretions. Forgive our areas of going beyond you. Forgive our learning from the world instead of learning from your word. Forgive our handling our partners in the way that seems best to us, not according to your dictates. And Father, forgive our living our lives 
As if they only belong to us. Even when we are surrendered to Jesus. As if, Lord, we run them on our own. Lord, we surrender again completely to you. Grant us a desire, whether in marriage or not, to live to please you. To live under your dictates. To enjoy your blessings and grace. And have your peace garrisoning around our hearts and minds. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Help relationships marriages here that are at their wit's end. That are also at the end where they are looking for help and searching them. Lord, today, as both partners open up their hearts unto you again, restore peace, restore stability, restore normal family function, and by your own miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. Let pride go. Let pride go. Let unforgiveness go. Let the bitterness of hearts go. And even as we are passing through our rough patches, Lord, weeping men, dear for a night, but your joy is coming in the morning. As you have addressed us this morning, in our marriages and families, and our individual lives, may we experience your peace and guidance and direction as we subsume to you. In Jesus' name we pray. 